You're listening to The Private Citizen, a podcast for critical thinkers. This is episode 128 for Wednesday, the 19th of October, 2022. Ask the next question. Hello, everybody. My name is Fab and I'm coming to you live from Düsseldorf in Germany. And today, well, indeed, this is a podcast for critical thinkers because today, tonight, whatever time it is for you, when you listen to this, we are going to talk about um, critical thinking and a little bit about philosophy. I've had this episode, it's one of the episodes I had on the list to do um, for a little while, um, ever since I learned about uh, Theodore Sturgeon and, well, I know knew Theodore Sturgeon, but I'd never heard of Ask the Next Question, which is one of his, apparently was one of his big things. And I thought this, you know, fits perfect which, with what I'm, what we're trying to do on this podcast, like the kind of um, mindset I want to instill in people listening to this. So um, today we're, we're going to talk about that, and um, yeah, um, a little bit of philosophy, but it's not going to be that that heavy. So uh, just lean back uh, wherever you are, grab your favorite beverage, and uh, let's get into that. I would think. And um, before, well, kind of before we, 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 we get into that, I don't know, is there anything I was just thinking? I was like, oh, is there anything I wanted to say? I don't think there is. I don't think there's any housekeeping. Um, got some nice feedback on the uh, feedback episode from last time. Um, but we, we're obviously, we're, we're going to talk about that in the feedback section. I, th- I think we should, we should just get, get right into it, shall we? <laughs> So let's talk about ask the next question, and um, which is kind of uh, Theodore Sturgeon's uh, theory um, about critical thinking. Now, if you don't know who Theodore Sturgeon is, uh, Theodore Sturgeon was born Edward Hamilton Waldo. Uh, he was born in 1918, and he died in 1985, so about two years uh, after I was born. And um, I'd read some of his, I think I a novel or two of his and um also some of his short stories um but he had he came up so he was a he was a science fiction writer science fiction and fantasy writer uh in the time where kind of science fiction was kind of an outgrowth of fantasy always kind of the same thing you know lots of the 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 magazines at the time were science fiction and fantasy magazines um, which i think kind of makes sense um i think this kind of uh differentiation that you have today between science fiction and fantasy is largely very artificial you know depending on what kind of science fiction or kind of fantasy you're talking about a lot of fantasy is 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 almost science fiction or it has science fiction elements and the other way around i mean star wars is a very good example because star wars is essentially a fantasy story but it has a lot of science fiction trappings like spaceships and um but it doesn't have like you know the hard science element, of course. But anyway, so so Theodore Sturgeon, he was a, um, a science fiction fantasy writer and also a critic of mostly science fiction. And um, he came up with this uh, idea that he called uh, "Ask the Next Question," and he came up with a logo for it as well, which is kind of a Q, a capital Q, with like an arrow. Uh, pointing to the right that you know goes through the the Q, which is you know the Q which stands for the question, um, 
and uh, he incorporated that into his signature and he also had some jewelry like some necklace uh, that he wore that had like that symbol um, you know as a as a kind of a medallion um, now uh, some people might have heard of the Theodore Sturgeon Award so there's a science fiction award that bears his name that also has this logo it's kind of like the trophy for it has like this Q with the uh, arrow uh, on top now if you're not familiar with Theodore Sturgeon just to just introduce him quickly uh, he wrote 11 novels uh, most of that I think in the 50s and 60s um, and then a, also about 120 short stories which were published in lots of magazines at the time like you know um, was it uh, amazing amazing stories and stuff like that um, and he also wrote about 400 reviews of um, science fiction stories um, and novels and also this is close to my heart because obviously I'm a, I'm a huge Star Trek fan um, he also uh, did some very groundbreaking work on Star Trek um, Star Trek the original series so quoting from Wikipedia here uh, Sturgeon wrote the screenplays for the Star Trek the original series episodes Shore Leaf 1966 and Amok Time 1967 the latter featured the first appearance of Ponfar the Vulcan mating ritual the sentence live long and prosper and the Vulcan hand symbol Sturgeon also wrote several Star Trek scripts that were never produced one of these first in, in Introduced the Prime Directive. So this guy is responsible for Ponfar, the Vulcan Salute, and the Vulcan Greeting, and also the, 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 the uh, Prime Directive. So he's like uh, single-handedly responsible for some of like the biggest, uh, one could say memes, or like the biggest uh, building blocks of what is considered uh, traditional Star Trek. I mean, of course, Live Long and Prosper and the Vulcan Salute are, uh, you know, basically branding almost you know they're they're um, legendary um, but to me as a Star Trek fan the prime directive obviously um, is usually important because um, I'm a fan of like the latter Star Trek that Sturgeon wasn't involved in but you know we starting with TNG uh, the prime directive became a first um, a uh, a, a, an integral to what, what Starfleet is. You know, the, so the ideals that the Federation aspired to, a lot of that actually grew out of the Prime Directive, and I think that is, uh, is very interesting. Um, <laughs> Astro Caesar's Vulcan salute is stolen from the Jews. Um, the, the hand signal. Well, I wouldn't say stolen, you know, like anything in culture, um, you know, it was maybe misappropriated, but of course it is a, a you know, it's a. It's an integral um, part of, you know, that that's how Star Trek fans, um, you know, greet each other, uh, and it's it's just a, it's just an iconic uh, thing. Um, I mean, like like anything else, um, that is like saying the military salute uh, was stolen from the knights. You know, that that evolved from um, when when uh, when they were, you know. Um, dueling at the lists you know they would before they started riding at each other with the lands they would just flip their visor open as a sign of respect because you can't tell in the other guy's face right in the in in the uh, in the helmet the full full uh, full visor so they would would flip the visor up and this kind of evolved into like the military you know the, the salute that this is just how um yeah how um culture works right um it's kind of like um just a very quick side note that has nothing to do with top with the topic we're talking about today but one of my pet peeves is just um 
there's this whole idea of a trope, right? And there's like um, TV tropes, the website, and and people these days think that trope is a negative thing. Um, whereas um, when you start, so I studied uh, English literature, right? You learn very quickly that, um, you know, art, or I'm mean, actually, we're going to talk about this a little bit in the feedback section, I think at some point, but art builds on, on top of things that came before. And, and a trope is nothing else than just a an idea that um, kind of perpetuates itself. Um, often a very good idea, right? Often integral to storytelling that then becomes a so-called, air quotes, trope, i.e. something that just crops up in all kinds of entertainment and fiction just because it is such a compelling um, idea. Like one, one, one very controversial thing today would be like the, um, the damsel in distress, right? That evolved out of medieval stories. Like, you know, you have the, the, the stereotypical white knight who saves the woman in, in danger. And the only reason that became such a trope is because it was very popular, right? It was as it cropped up in stories and people really liked that kind of idea and associated with it. And, and that's, you know, it might not be timely today, but like the reason for that being so ingrained in culture is that for a very long time, that was very appealing to people. Um, anyway, let's, um, let's continue here. So, you know, a little bit uh, who Theodore Sturgeon is now. And um, so I found this, um, this article on a website and this, this is what gave me the idea that I found this actually on uh, Christopher McKitterick's website. Um, uh, aptly at Christopher-McKitterick.com links to all in the show notes private citizen not press to all the stuff um, you can also read this article I'll put it in there um, it is from a uh, June 1967 essay uh, that Sturgeon wrote for Cavalier magazine where he introduces this so the, the thing is just titled like it just has the symbol as a title like Q with the arrow I'm going to pronounce that as ask the next question and I just want to read out this article because I could paraphrase for you what this idea is, but you know I'm not as uh, as good a writer as Theodore Sturgeon, so I'm just going to read out his words because they um, they're just um, yeah, it's just probably better than if than mine if I try to paraphrase this. Anyway, um, Theodore Sturgeon says, "Sorry, I'm going to have to um, cough here for a second for some reason." I was knocking walls down in my parents' basement with a big hammer yesterday and I, I breathed in a lot of concrete dust because I fucking hate masks. And I didn't, <laughs> didn't want to wear a mask yet again. So I'm now suffering for my stupidity. Anyway, uh, Theodore Sturgeon writes uh, in, uh, when, when, in 1967 in Cavalier magazine, I give you this symbol. I want you to wear it between your eyeball and your eyelid and look at the world through it. I want so I read this whole thing right and I was like this is exactly what I'm trying to do. This is exactly my way of like doing journalism and approaching um re research and what I kind of want to instill in you as the listener with this podcast um and that, and I've just never put it in words. And also he's he's like this whole 
the way he puts this like pushes it further than I did than I usually do and I think that's something to aspire to like I want to I want to do exactly what he says so that that's that's the reason why I'm doing this episode anyway just wanted to interject there but um let me go on I give you this symbol I want you to wear it between your eyeball and your eyelid and look at the world through it I want to do this and I want you to do what I say because you are not the crawling blob in that big bucket of ooze which down deep you think you are you are mankind that isn't the best thing in the universe to be but it can be it can be it will be if you do what i tell you all, all i ask of you is that you hear me out here is the symbol you know the cue with the arrow ask the next question what it means is ask the next question every advance the species has ever made is is the is the result of someone somewhere looking at this world, his neighborhood, his neighbor, his cave, or himself, and asking that next question. Every deadly error this species has committed, every sin against itself and its high destiny is the result of not asking the next question, or of not listening to those who do ask it. That next question is nothing more than a signboard which points toward the truth, the absolute, absolute furthermost, in irreducible truth. There are not many absolutes, but we know one thing about them all. They are not complicated. More on that later. First, an example of Ask the Next Question in action. Let's take something that has filled countless thousands of newspaper inches, computable hours of argument and temper, a rich crop of injustice and stupidity, and has wasted a great deal more time than it is worth. The pornographic question. We'll start with the war cry, we've got to get that filth of the newsstands. This is quite enough in many communities to gain a majority support right now. Quote, right-thinking people, end quote, gather up their egg sandals and burning torches and rally around what looks to them like ultimate and self-defining truth. Now we asked that, ne now we asked that next question. Why? Answer, because it can get into the heads of young people. At this point, for many people, doors close, shutters bang, and all the lights go out in sight. But that answer isn't an answer, as you can discover by asking the next question. Question, what happens if it gets into the head, hands of young people? Oh, sorry, not in the heads of young, uh, because it gets in the hands of young people, sorry. What happens if it gets, what happens if it gets into the hands of young people? It might answer, it might arouse them. Slam, bang, click. But wait. Isn't there another question? Sure. Ask the next question. What happens if they get aroused? This will probably get you a variety of answers, and you'll forgive me if I don't pursue them in this question-answer format because I haven't much space and I mean to pack it as full as I can. But you get the pattern. Every time anyone answers that next question, that asks the next question, um, that, you know, the ask the next question see if there isn't another one which can be asked in this instance you can run the thing down until you find out to the highest scientific and moral ethical authority that it doesn't harm anyone to get sexually stimulated with no outlet that it happens all the time to virtually everyone that the list of things which stimulate Sorry, this is I'm, I'm I'm having some trouble here because uh, it's it's a scan of a very old newspaper article, and uh, that the th 
that the list of things which stimulate one person or another at various times are by no means limited to what one finds in the girly books, but include such thing, things as pieces of string, wash on the line, sunsets, music, dogs howling, and a thousand other things. And if you got rid of all that filth, you'd find yourself in a desert or in a cell, where probably your imagination would do a whole heap worse than any professional pornographer. Further, that if the young person is stimulated to find an outlet, it is in a vast majority of cases masturbation, which does not make green hairs grow in the palm of your hands, which does not cause pimples, and in the case of hyperactive individuals, leaves them less likely to commit rape um, than more, especially if they are free of guilt about it. How do I know all this? By getting my question answered and by unfa unfailingly asking one more. Uh, uh, by unfailingly asking that one more. If you do the same, you'll find the references, the carefully performed and documented experiments, the careful analyses and cross-checked conclusions. Let me here caution you never to abandon the ask the next question technique when it leads to a conclusion you like. And this is actually very important. And this is something, you know, I think everybody, uh, even if you, if you, like me, have tried to practice critical thinking uh, your whole life, uh, have done. Right, you, you've stopped at the moment where you find the answer that um, satisfies you. So let me here caution you never to abandon the ask the next question technique when it leads to a conclusion you like. Ask that one more question again and ask it again, really. The only time you won't be able to ask it will be when you're up against the truth so basic and so simple that the question can't be asked. That is some deep shit. And I've never had to answer, uh, and I've never had an answer that was that close to the truth. Not ever. But in looking for it, I've gotten rid of an awful lot of well-known facts that just ain't so. It makes you very light-hearted, very sure, and rather hard to hurt. Which I think that, you know, to me, um, I can't, can't talk about you, but to me that's something to, uh, to aspire to, actually. Um, um, yeah, um, it makes you very lighthearted, very sure, and rather hard to hurt. Now about basics and simplicity. Complicated and subtle things can be fascinating and over overwhelming, and they can change your whole life and the face of the world. But if they are complicated, they are not, in the most important sense, important. Now here's a simple basic. Living things change. Growth is only one of the many kinds of change. What you can be sure of is that anything that has stopped changing has stopped living. Got it? You are alive. Your family and your town and the country and state and nation are, in each in, each in its way, living things. All living things want to feel secure. Human beings are accursed with something that makes most of them, at one time or another in, this, in his life, seek security by stopping. He wants things stable and permanent and unchanging, like a pyramid. But there's another kind of stability, dynamic stability, the steadiness of a gull's flight. It's something that cannot, ha cannot happen unless the bird is in motion. And by and large, friend, gulls outlast pyramids. This is such a... I, I'm almost crying reading this. This is such a good... Like, the, the guy can just fucking right i mean not only is this a very good idea i mean this is why i'm reading out this article verbatim right not only is this a very good idea the the way he puts it and like this is um of course uh in a, a cavalier magazine is kind of like a 
it was a kind of a, like a Playboy-esque magazine in it at the time, which is why he put the pornography thing in there, right? He's writing to the audience, which is uh, very well done. Um, anyway, um, and I, I, you know, this whole thing is like uh, this um, human beings want stability, especially when they get old. They don't want to change anymore. Something that my wife keeps telling me. I, I, I really love her for this. It's it's extremely annoying, but I'm I'm very like many things, I'm very happy that I have her uh, for this very thing where she's like when I, I say something, right? I'll be ranting about something. She's like, you're getting old. You're getting you're getting set in your ways. You need to move. You can't you can't stay on like most recently it was uh uh, she was like, you have to be on TikTok. And I, I, I said, I don't want to be on TikTok. It's run by the fucking Chinese. I don't want to be on TikTok. And it's like too short. It's like videos. You can't do journalism on there. And my wife was like, no, you have to be on there. You're a, for fuck's sake. I think she actually said like, for fuck's sake, you're a tech journalist, man, right? You 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 need to move. Like you, you can't, you can't, you, you, you can't afford to just grow, grow old, grow old in your head and stale. And she's completely right, and I, I love her for this. And this is like kind of like the same kind of thing. Like reading this again, this reminds me of that. And by and large, friend, gulls outlast pyramids. This is the kind of conclusion that the ask the next question process leads to. And armed with it, you can look about you with a kind of man from Mars astonishment, which is I do that actually a lot. Um, living things, nations, cities, towns, families, people trying to be dead trying to stop, stop time, stop change, stop thought, when they could spread their wings and ride it. Listen, laws are always late. We talked about this in the past as well on the show. Laws are always late, usually in the past and certain, certainly in a faster and ever faster moving future. By the time a law is passed, the circumstances which brought it about have already begun to change, which is why so many of them rule us by, quote, the dead hand. As far as I know, no human group has ever tried to establish a whole body of laws with tenure, laws which would expire on a certain date unless the community voted to continue them. How much public apathy do you think you'd find in a democracy like that? Listen. Ask the next question. What is the function of the incest taboo? No, wait. Don't give me those answers that everybody knows, because nobody knows. If you start out on that recess recessive defective gene bit with the idiot children of first cousins and all that, I'll only refer you to animal breeders the world over and hope you enjoyed those idiot pork chops last night and have fun with the loot you picked up at the $2 window courtesy of the dark horse who paid 83 to 1 and who is the result of a dozen generations of inbreeding. Men are different from hawks and horses, but biologically they're not all that different. Listen. Olaf Sta I like to li listen. Olaf Stapleton, bless his memory, wrote a book called Last and First Man, which traces the history of man through the next couple of hundred billion years. And now it gets hard to read. Again, he speaks of something similar to what I call the ask the next question process and calls it, quote, the precious insight. Through the generations, he says, it appears repeatedly and is repeatedly struck down by accidents, large or small, well, we can't do much about that, or, he says, by an excess of racial imbecility or by the mere cowardice and vertigo that dares not to look down the precipice of the fact. 
I think we're in such a period of racial imbecility, as he describes. I think that there are a few people around, you for example, who can cure it because they are not afraid to look down the precipice of the fact, no matter how deep the pit, no matter how different. All I ask of you is that you look at what is there and ask that next question. In exchange, I offer more than those who claim that this act or idea or that will save the species from extinction. I offer the species its maturity and triumph. I just heard a voice from one of you. Question, just who the hell do you think you are? Answer, that's it. Don't stop there. <laughs> this is so good. Um, he he packs so many things uh, in into this article, which you know we 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 could debate over and and I could talk about for a long time, but I think this um, this whole idea is something I really want to embrace, and and embrace more. And I think the you know the more I think about this is exactly when I talk about why you know I talked a lot about in 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 recent episodes about you know problems with journalism. And why it turns our society, um, what it does to our society, right? And I feel this is exactly the problem because journalists stop asking questions. Um, the the you know the thing I always complain about the you know science says this, it's exactly this kind of thing. It is um, it masquerades as, as as scientific thought and as being progressive, but it's actually the opposite. It's it's, it's stopping. It's like you know. Um, so I you know I ask about like are these measures that we put you know put together uh, in the pandemic you know that what we did are those um, good are they are they justified and people say yeah but like you know science says this or should we should we continue to wear masks. Um, yeah, but you know this this paper uh, or this scientific consensus says this, and that that is meant to kill the argument. That is meant to, for me, to not ask the next question. Right? For the reader to go, okay, I'm 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 satisfied with that. I'm not asking the next question. Um, and you know the whole like the one of the things I you know looking back at it through this lens. Um, that bothers me so much about the climate change debate is exactly this. There is a, there's like this, this huge impetus to just like, like stop, stop already. There, there's literally articles that are like, stop already. We know that climate change is this, and we know that we need this solution, right? We need to stop using fossil fuels. We need electric, electric cars, whatever it is. But to me, like my approach to this topic for um, taking just taking climate change as an example has been an approach of, of asking, of always asking the next question, right? For a long time, I wasn't convinced that climate change is man-made. And I'm, I'm not even completely there yet. I'm by now, I'm convinced that it, it is happening and that it is, you know, I, I think it's, Personally, I think it's safe to assume that it's man-made, but I'm not like nobody has ever given, have ever asked me like the last question I asked. Like you know, I I went my my way along. Like okay, so um, 
so we're thinking it's it's CO2, right? So is CO2 actually, has it actually risen in the last 50 years so much? And then, you know, I looked into the data, I was like, yeah, this is probably looks solid, right? I, I, don't, I still don't, don't want to compare that to the data from 20 years ago because that's a completely different databases. But there's, there's like, from the 60s, there's a stable, like from one source, um, you know, dependable uh, database, like, um, why can't I? What kind of think of the word? Like, 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 um, um, collection of data that, did, that that would would suggest this, right? And then my next question was, okay, so so what does that do? And then every says, yeah, well, it's you know CO two and it creates greenhouse gases. And I was like, okay, so how does the greenhouse effect actually work? And this is where I'm stuck at the moment because I can't. Um, and I've mentioned this before. I've actually uh, looked into this. I've wasted days on this um and i can't like i I was it was explained to me in like high school how the greenhouse effect works and i i know that explanation and it's kind of the level of explanation that 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 you find everywhere and then there's like a very specific chemical explanation that i don't understand because i'm not a chemist but i can kind of read with my you know as a journalist you're kind of trained to like read things that you don't really qualify to understand, but you know you 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 apply a somewhat scientific mindset, and then you know you you can you can you can work yourself if you're relatively intelligent. You can, as I hope I am, you can work yourself into almost any topic. And I kind of you know I kind of it, it makes sense. Um, and then for me, the next question is okay. So we know we know CO two man has made CO two rise we kind of know what co2 does like in a labor like or like you know greenhouse gases do in a lab laboratory environment um what what can happen now how does this work for the whole planet right and at that point nobody has answered that question yet to me satisfactorily it's always like yeah we'll have some computer they always go like we have computer simulations And then I just I always zone out because I'm like, that's not scientific proof, right? That, I, <laughs> I know how computer simulations work. There can be, there can be helpful tools, but they, don't, they never prove anything, um, right? You, you, got, you, don't, you, don't, you don't build a plane in the computer, right? You, you design a plane, a new kind of plane, like different wing shape, different engines, I don't know, whatever. You know, you're like... We're like in the 60s and let's, oh no, I didn't have really, but let, let's, let's assume you build like a new plane uh, that can fly like Mach 8 or whatever. And you're like, oh, this is, this will work. This will, this will take off. Here's a computer simulation. And then everybody goes, yeah, that's, that's cool. No, you built the fucking plane and you see if it takes off, right? <laughs> that's the thing that proves that the plane take off. You don't go, well, the computer simulation works. I'm satisfied now. Um, so, I'm I'm waiting for this question to be answered and then I'll have a next question. But like what I what I so detest about a lot of our, our he says like he calls this at the end here what what's he could he takes this like from from Olaf Stapleton and he he says racial imbecility. And I think this is like when was this written 67? I think this this was like um incredibly um far-sighted because like it's, it's gotten so much worse um our whole society is based on 
preventing people from asking that next question. We have amazing tools. We have like the internet. We have access to literally all the knowledge of mankind and everything everybody ever wants to say to anybody else on TikTok or Twitch or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or via email in a forum, whatever. Right? We can we have unprecedented amounts of information, of abilities, the ability to communicate, of st storage and retrieval of knowledge. And and what do we use this for? We don't even discuss things. Like we just shout at each other. We just segregate ourselves in the different camps. And there's the camp that says, ah, oh, climate change isn't real. And there's the camp that says, oh, we need to fucking extinction rebellion. We need to burn everything down. We're all going to die. Right. So at the point that, um, like, if you think that further through and I'm go like, okay, now somebody explained to me how greenhouse, oh, that's changing the planet. And then we're, we arrive at the point where we say, okay, um, temperatures are going to rise 10 degrees over the next hundred years. That would be the point where I ask the next question, go, what does that mean? I mean, I ask this question regularly when people go, yeah, it's obviously climate change in Germany. It's now warmer in summer. And then the newspaper goes, well, you know, all the fish in the river are dying and the crops are dying and we're all going to die. And I'm like, well, I lived in Australia and it's, it's always that warm there and they're not dying. I mean, there's less people living there, but, you know, they have crops. They just have different plants, but they're not dying. Right? And people go like, oh, no, you can't go running at 37 degrees. And then you, oh, well, you, go, you go running and you even have, you, you're like 10 kilos of weight strapped. You're going to die. No, I, I won't. <laughs> um, you know, th th this is like this, this I, I have this. And, and, and the crazier, to me, the crazier the world gets, the more I have this man from Mars kind of attitude that he mentions as well, where I'm sitting there and thinking like, you know, I look at what people are doing and I'm like, are they crazy? Like, like, you know, so for in the pandemic and after that, I, I realized, for example, another example, I don't know how you feel about this. Uh, and I want to know, uh, we're going to get to the feedback section, but I want feedback on this, by the way, go to private system, not press all everything's there, all the details, also how to write feedback. Um, I want to know how you have that too, but like from, from, I, I talked about this on the show. Um, with with the pandemic and going forward, I realized that I have a very different understanding of like um, like security than other people. Like like of of um, calculating risks. I mean, this is something he mentioned in this here as well. Like people want to feel secure, and that's why they don't want change. And 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 I notice, you know, it started with with motor people riding motorbikes wearing like this yellow. Um, high-vis vests right and i'm going like why why are you doing that if you are that worried about getting in a tra traffic accident on a motorbike surely the um like the logic conclusion is not to use a motorbike you don't have to ride a motorbike you can ride you can use the car or public transport i don't know something but but like like to me and I, i've ridden a motorbike now for 20 years yeah probably no well if you count the the scooter probably more than 20 years um 25 almost 25 years anyway um to me that was always like you know 
yeah, there's a certain amount of risk, like a very real amount of risk involved in that. And I'm just accepting that. And yeah, I mitigate that risk. I wear protective clothing. I think that's, you know, a helmet that that is reasonable. But like, I've seen people get into motorbike accidents. I've, I've seen a lot of people get into motorbike accidents. And I've been in motorbike accidents myself, and I've been in near accidents myself, and I've never seen a single accident that could have been prevented by somebody wearing a, a you know a high vis vest. Because the people who run the people in cars, for example, who run into you who don't see you, they don't the reason is not that they not visually see you because you're too, you're wearing your clothing is too dark or whatever. They don't see you because they're on their phone. It's in the morning. They're half asleep. They're just not looking in the direction, even though they should. Like those are the reasons. Anyway, that's how it started. Then, as yeah, of course, then you have people on on, on bicycles with high vis vest. But now, like the, like a month ago or so, I saw somebody running in the park. Where I'm running, in the park. We're talking a park. There's no cars there. There's only people on bicycles and these stupid electric scooters. And me. And, and people running and walking. And there's people running. They're jogging. And they're wearing a high vis vest. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You are the fastest. You're probably faster than most of the bicycle people. You're the fastest guy there. Surely if like surely you're the you're the one who would just like you know i don't what what, what do they think they like do they think a, a, a bicycle is coming towards them doesn't see them and run them over you they can just jump to the side they're seeing the fuck i see the fucking bicycle i mean i've been in near collisions with bicyclists in the park because they don't realize uh, how fast i've actually been in collisions with with <laughs> with people walking because they're trying to get out of the way or not getting out of the way and I'm just running into them. But like even then, like you're not dying. Like why are you wearing a high vis vest when you're running? Like what what is happening in those people's brains, right? So and they're not asking the next question. Like the next question is why are you wearing this this vest? And then they're like, well, so people can see me. And then I'm like, what happens if they see you? Well, they won't run into you. I'm like, but surely, like, I don't know. <sighs> surely, that's not the, re the the reason they run into you is not because they don't see you. It's probably because they're not paying attention or they just don't give a shit. Like, I've been nearly run over by people on bicycles a lot of the time because they just don't give a shit because they're assholes. Because a lot of bicyclists are fucking assholes. They also always have their lights. That and there's another pet peeve of mine. That like it's dark. I'm running in the dark, and they have a bicycle light that shines directly into your eyes instead of on the road as it should be, as you learn in fucking primary school when you get on your bicycle the first time. <laughs> you know they're just assholes. <laughs> High vis vest is not gonna rescue you from the assholes. It's just gonna make the assholes make it easier for the assholes to hit you anyway so i really like this approach and i think um it would be better for all of us if we just use, like if journalists use this and would always ask the next question their reporting would be so much better i mean we talked about so many stories like the drachenlord story right where they just go oh my god um this guy is being bullied and that's where they stop and they don't ask the next question which would be why why is he bullied because he is an asshole and he's insulting people and then then the next question would be well what happens if he's an asshole what happens when he insults people well those people are offended 
well, what, what happens then? Well, they, they write under his videos. And, and what happens then? Well, he blocks them. And what happens then? They're still offended. And since he, he is an idiot and he put out his address on the internet, they just go to his house. Uh, and then what, what happens then? Well, you know, they go, uh, Rainer, uh, would you please come out? We want to talk to you. And then he comes out of his house and, and just insults them in the worst way. What happens then? The situation is like if you if you keep asking that questions, you basically the story you should write as a journalist develops itself for you, right? You you get good reporting instead of just writing, oh, this guy's being bullied. The internet is evil. <laughs> you know, the real answer is of course, yes, some people on the internet are fucking assholes and there are evil, but that but the people on the internet that in, that are fucking assholes include the guy you said was just being bullied because he's a fucking asshole as well. And I think this is also what Sturgeon means. If you keep doing this, and I, I've noticed this even though I didn't even for years didn't know what Ask the Next Question was, but if you just generally apply critical thinking to things, you realize that things aren't as easy. They aren't as easy as the mainstream news tell you, Right? So if you look at the situation in Ukraine, it's not just a crazy guy running a country and attacking another country just for no reason at all, just for being evil. There are other forces at play there. There, are, there were foreign po policy blunders that the EU made, that NATO made. There was escalation that the United States purposely uh, instigated. There were um, things the Ukrainians did you know, like uh, getting rid of Russia in schools in, in areas where, you know, 80% of the pe people are speaking Russian. And and the thing is, I'm not saying that, and, and people are always, ah, oh, you're excusing Putin. That's not the point. The point is, what what Putin did can be wrong and can be horrible, and is, is wrong and is horrible and is, is absolutely appalling, but it's still not as clear-cut. There are still other factors at work here and this is like this is the questions you have to keep asking and the that's the only way as Sturgeon says we never get to the truth right you never that's I always say this about journalism you know and and if you want to know more about this read the truth by Terry Pratchett you, you never get to the truth but your job as a journalist and you know you, I think your job as a these in these hard times as a as a private citizen who is who, who you know who loves democracy and and wants our way of life to not go down the shitter is to to um to get as far towards the truth as you can and you know i think sturgeon's right i haven't thought about it that way but it's this whole idea that it's complicated yes everything's complicated but like you don't get to the truth there. You have to break it down. Like the more you ask about it and everything it's like what, what, what amazes me so much often also with journalists, you know, when I worked at the publishing company and I was on the radio and on TV all the time because they wanted a tech expert to explain to them the dark net and the evil hackers, right? What, what amazed me is I was sitting there and I'm like, I'm sitting across from a guy who is like, talking to millions of people every night on the news he was in a he unlike me he finished university unlike me he's he learned what journalism is at university he's got a university he's got a university degree in journalism he's doing this job f far longer than me 
And I'm sitting there and I'm like, why do I have to explain? Like, it's not like this is hard, right? It's, it's, it's not that complicated. Like to, to understand what the dark net is, basically starts with asking the question what the dark net is. And, and then you realize, well, it's just like basically the internet, except it's not indexed. Some of it is on Tor. And then you're like, what is Tor? And you go to Wikipedia. You don't have to be a fucking genius or you have to. I didn't study IT. I did, never did anything with IT professionally before I became an IT, became an IT journalist. Right. But I, I was like interested and I'm like, I can read and I'm not really dumb. Like, so when, when I got interested in Linux, I started reading about it and I learned about things. And if you listen to Linux Outlaws, my previous podcast ages ago, you can hear me over seven years every week learning more and more. And I never said in the beginning, hey, I'm an expert in this. And when we ended the podcast, I wasn't like, I'm an expert in Linux now. You know, it's just a, a process of learning and it's not that fucking hard. And as Sturgeon says, it's just about asking the next just ask the next fucking question why do these people and i'm not like you know somebody's like mainstream tv news guy right i'm not expecting him to become an expert in it security or whatever but like if it's like the third time you're asking somebody about what the darknet is maybe just go to fucking wikipedia and read about it for half an hour like it's not so fucking hard it's not that hard why are people not doing this? And I understand. I understand why, you know, normal people, normal people in air quotes, just the normal person who watches the news doesn't do this. They have a job. You know, they have probably have kids, which is a big problem. You know, they have to feed their kids. They have to spend time with their kids. They have to spend time with their wife. They have probably have a hobby. They're in some sports club. They have to go to the tennis or the golf or the whatever. The Warhammer Club, they have so much shit on to do and they just don't have any time. But if you're a journalist, it's your fucking job. It's your job. It's your fucking job to find out what you're talking about and then explaining it to the people. Right? And we're not talking about like any topic. If somebody asks me, how does an RBMK reactor work? Right? Okay, in the 80s when Chernobyl exploded, the guys running the reactor didn't know. So, okay kind of hard to figure that out back then maybe but today right you just go to wikipedia or whatever and look at some references and read some articles and then you know well you know on a level that is enough to explain it to most people it's not fucking like almost none of this is fucking rocket science i admit there are always topics everybody has this i think that like exceed what your brain is capable of for me that's math you know, I almost any topic, I can kind of sit down, I get I, I get a coffee or an Earl Grey, right? I sit down, I put on my comfortable pants, sit down in front of my computer. Um, maybe I have a little wanking session before that. You know, as Sturgeon said, never hurts to let out that. Uh, you know, the, the things, especially if you're a man, that kind of, you know, cloud your brain and that's gone. And then you can just sit down and read. And then you figure something out. You you know, whatever the question is. You, you, you have the internet. You can look it up. Um, you figure it out. Like back in the day, you actually had to get a book from the fucking library. Wait a few weeks, get the book from the library, and then read it. And that was harder. But today, you can do that. Um, and But there are always some topics, I think, that that are predisposed to fucking you can't do that. For me, that's math. Like math, to me, I never I never got a 
got a grips with it in school. To me, math is just a construct some crazy people made up, and it kind of it kind of works. Um, and I'm I'm kind of glad we have computers now, and they do most of the math for me. But like, you know, I I couldn't do any like stories about math. I just fucking I just can't. I can read when somebody in normal human language writes about right okay so this algorithm like you know whenever i have to do crypto stuff for it security right when somebody in in normal human language explain well this al algorithm does this and then they start with the math i just ignore the math i just just i just can't but you know i can understand the human language equivalent so i guess everybody has a topic like this right so i understand if um But and maybe maybe now that I think about that, maybe that's also just laziness, right? Because I think the people that you know, the the journalist that that does mainstream news that could just understand this very specific topic about IT security just doesn't want to, and they're just like you know, like your parents. Oh, this is computers. I don't, I don't, I don't, I I can't do computers. And that's what I was just doing about math. So maybe 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 if I if I just put my brain to it, I probably could. I just don't want to. Maybe I should. It just makes my brain hurt. But maybe your brain has to hurt. So, yeah. Yeah, okay, maybe. Maybe that was a bad, bad excuse. Ignore that. Um, next time I run into a math problem, I'm going to try. Um, and I'm, I, I, I swear to you, actually, I didn't make... This is not a scripted episode, right? I, I mean, I read out the the Sturgeon thing because it verbatim because I want to read that out because but I'm just developing thoughts here and that just basically occurred to me that that was stupid for me so mea culpa <laughs> um, ask the next question anyway um, I think this is very helpful and I want to adopt that and maybe it'll become the motto of the podcast from on ask the next question and I want you the listeners to become producers and you can do that you know by supporting the, the the podcast monetarily we're going to talk about that in a little bit but you can also write feedback and um what i want you you i want you to specifically do from now on is if i talk about the topic and this is going to happen a lot and i didn't ask the next question there's a next question that occurs to you um write in and tell me about it i mean you can preface it with q arrow or however you want or like you didn't ask the next question here and then ask me what the next question like put that next question or maybe even the answer if it occurs to me and then then i can't can ask the next question but i think we have to i think that's gonna also gonna be a thing that like pushes the podcast forward um because yeah i, I think um i i think the the only downside of this philosophy is that sometimes uh, you just don't you you just don't think of the next question right maybe because our brains are so predisposed to just stagnate and and wanting to die right so sometimes we need somebody else to, to just give us give us a hint in the right direction and you know you could you could do that for all of us um i also think this is something that's that is going to keep you alive like this process I think as long as you ask the next question, you're pro. I mean, you can you can you can die be because your body gives out. I mean, you can die because you run over in a car. So it's no prospect. You know, it's no 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 uh, recipe for immortality. 
and, and most people die before their heart gives out or because their heart gives out or whatever but like i um i watched the this bit sad but you know it's just the way it is i i basically watched my grandmother die um over the last you know in, in, in this year um over a few months and um i mean okay her body was was failing she was 100 years old but um i i'm 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 very sure she died because she just didn't want to live anymore and she felt like she didn't have anything to live for anymore and i think that's basically in a in a high level way that's stopping to ask the next question right um so i think if you keep doing that if you have some if you if something if you have that as long as you keep that impetus alive don't fucking stop right don't fucking stop because if you stop you're gonna die so let's let's all not stop um let's all embrace this i think this is a genius philosophy and when i read this it just like blew my mind and i was like i have to do a podcast episode about this so i hope um yeah i hope you agree and i hope this has given you something to think about as well and um yeah let's all let's all ask the next question uh and and you know i've 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 i've, I've spoken about the feedback and you know the so let's get into the feedback section, which is where you ask, I hope in the future, you will ask the next question of me. So we had, um, in the previous episode, I did a, the whole episode uh, with your producer feedback. Sorry, I'm bumping my Earl Grey into the microphone, which is probably not a very wise thing to do. Mm. Mm. so good man oh great oh great great anyway we had um i had an episode with um a producer feedback and um i had some feedback on the feedback episode <laughs> and uh, one important part was um i read out some feedback by basil will and um, I also asked um, a question of him, and he replied very in a very detailed post on the forum, which I'm going to link, or which is linked in the show notes uh, at privatecitizen.press. Which um, you know, if you're interested, please read in full. I've just picked out a few things because a lot of the things that he said, I think, weren't directly relevant to what I said in the show, or aren't relevant to most listeners, probably. So I'm kind of want to dis- I kind of want to discuss the stuff that I find most relevant for the podcast. He also said I didn't have to mention all that on the show, so I think he's okay with this. So you know, go go to the forum. I encourage you to read his whole um, uh, reply there, and you can reply to him on specific parts as well if you want to, or we can have a discussion. But um, here, there are a few things, a uh, few points that I want to reply to directly. So um, there, at first, he, is, um, he was talking about, um, I, I was talking uh, in a bit of a tangent, um, I, or like, you know, I was replying to his feedback and it led, one thing led to the other. Anyway, I was talking about biological sex and gender. And um, Bezawil writes in his message, um, few if any trans people deny biological sex exists. Biological sex is, of course, more complicated than the binary, but it is also more p- complicated than intersex people or what can be seen in your pants. 
There is more to biological gender than sex organs and chromosomes. However, gender also exists in a completely separate domain. Okay, so I want to reply to this. I agree with you that um, most trans people don't deny biological sex. Um, I think I've said that on the show because in the you know, in contrast, the trans people I've met are very conscious about biological sex because, you know, they have to, if you, if, if you were born, you know, biologically as a man and you have a penis and, and balls and, you know, the, the chromosomes and the, uh, the, you know, the genetic makeup that, that, um, begets the certain hormonal, uh, balance right then and you want to change that because you feel like you know you you feel like a woman for example and you want to become a woman then you have if you know in some case you have or you know some people want to have some significant operations and hormonal changes and that that means that you have to to learn especially like the hormonal stuff you have to, you have to get into that and 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 learn about that so you know you can't really <laughs> you can't really deny it so i agree with you on that um but then he said, biological sex is, of course, more complicated than the binary, but it, which is, you know, true. Uh, the, the thing I pointed out that it's, you know, technically true, but like, for example, for humans, um, you know, when you talk about 99.9% .9 of the population, it is very binary, um, bi biological sexes. Um, there are edge cases, but there are edge cases. Um, in, in the case of humans, you know, there are, there are species where it's much more complicated. Uh, especially with plants, for example, you know, plants, you know, once you get to the fungi, who, who the fuck knows? Uh, but he's, but Bezerwell says, but it's also more complicated than intersex people or what can be seen in your pants. There's more to biological gender than sex organs and chromosomes. And I have to disagree with that, I think. Well, first of all, there's no such thing as biological gender. Um, I think... There's something I have to explain here again, which is something people often like deny, especially in certain Twitter bubbles. In biology, there's only sex. Gender is a, I would say, an identity thing. It's a, um, it's a linguistic idea and it's 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 a psychological idea. But in biology, there is no gender, right? By Bi I mean, biology does care about you know. Um, how your brain works, but it's not on a level like where it's like psychology, right? It's more like neurology, where it's like biology is like plumbing, right? Plumbing for the organism. And, and, and that's why, you know, biological sex, yes, is concerned with your sex organs and your chromosomes or your, your genes. Basically, let's leave the chromosomes out there. It's, it's about your genes, right? Your gene, if you're, um, if you're a human male, you have, you have, uh, uh, uh a different genetic makeup well every human has a different genetic makeup than the other humans but you know you are you are significantly different than a human female right and that manifests itself when you're having different sexual organs you have your body is built differently largely i mean there's this is all great like biology is like you know there are women that are that are taller than men there are women that have more muscles than men but you know if you go statistically you know, you'll you'll see that men have have generally more muscle to you know their their muscle to weight ratio is bigger. They have, you know, you learn all that shit in school, like you know, the wider shoulders, whereas women have wider hips. That doesn't mean like that. That's the you know that's just a statistical, you know, um, simplification of of course the actual 
you know, specific, uh, you know, whatever case can be very different. And you can have, of course, you know, there's, there's people who have both sexual organs. There's people who have all kinds of chromosomes. There's people who have no sexual organs. Everything can happen. I mean, there's people with two heads, right? Um, so a lot of things can happen. But um, in biology, biology is only concerned with sex. Now, gender is a is a sociological issue. And one of the big issues I have that I actually had fights with because I studied English literature and we had gender studies in English literature. Um, now, many, many people in my Twitter you know, I, I follow a certain. Most of the people I follow on Twitter are relatively, like, rather left-leaning and and more progressive. And there are certain bubbles that I follow people from that actually um, don't understand that ling linguistic gender has nothing to do with gender, right? The gender of a person. Um, and it's. I think it's harder to understand for people who, ha who have English as their primary language, whereas, although there are Germans who don't understand this, where Germans and French people, you know, if you have, um, I mean, English has a, has a um, linguistic gender, but it's just not like, you don't think about it because it doesn't really apply, right? It's kind of, it's kind of been, uh, kind of, uh, like, I, I can't I can't think of the word. It's been kind of like phased out of the language because it's just too cumbersome, right? So in German, for example, this is a very, very easy example. So in German, um, every noun, proper noun, is it a proper noun? Anyway, every noun, it's linguistics in university. It's been a long time ago. <laughs> um, has has a, a gender, a, a linguistic gender, which has nothing to do with the gender of the thing you're talking about. So, for example, in Germany, the chair, the chair is der Stuhl. Der is a male pronoun, right? It means the chair as a linguistic ent entity is male. Um, then you have die Blume, the flower, die being a female pronoun, meaning the flower is female. And then you have a neutral, uh, we call it Neutrum in German, which is das Pferd, for example, the horse, is neutral the horse it's always neutral the horse if i'm talking about a male horse or a female horse it doesn't matter okay with the flower it's kind of but like the dog der hund is male even if you're talking about a female dog so if there's a dog running around the street and it's obviously a female dog but i say look at the dog i'm not saying look at you know what would be the I don't know, the female dog, is it, is it bitch probably? I don't know. If I say, look at the dog, I say, you know, guck dir den Hund an, den Hund, like male the dog. So the, when you think about it, I'm not a grammar guy, right? A fucking grammar just is not my thing, even though I'm a journalist and a professional writer. I just do it intuitively, but I'm, I'm really bad at it, like explaining grammar. But um, when you think about that a little bit and you actually learn it in school, if, if you, you know, at a good school, you, you realize that that literary, that, that, that um, linguistic gender has nothing to do with the actual gender of the thing. So gender itself is kind of a complicated um, issue right so 
that's one of the reasons why I object to gendering things in German. Um, you know, when you go, um, so there are certain certain terms in German that are just male, and you know, it, this is also society based. So a lot of job descriptions of a job that traditionally was done by male uh, workers is like male. Uh, a very good example from the area where I'm from, the Ruhrgebiet, is der Bergmann, right? It's the the um, it's a minor. It's but it's it, it's literally Bergmann. It means the mountain man, and it's of course it's a, a man, right? Today, if there were actually any miners left in Germany, and you had a job ad, you would write either der Berg der Bergmann MW uh, uh, D. So you'd write. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd write um, behind the job description. You'd, you'd go uh, male, female, diverse to to say. So if you said der Bergmann, we're looking for der Bergmann. You're like, oh, we also accept women and we accept trans people, right? Today you'd do that. Now back in the day, this wasn't an issue because there were literally no women doing this job. Like, there were just weren't. It's like the military. There were no women. Like you know, in the 80s when we still had miners in the rural area, they were all men. They were all men. They just had one big room where they changed clothes. I mean, in the end, I think there were actually one or two women. Um, so it started to change and then they shut the whole industry down. But like, that's, that's where it comes from. But it is still a linguistic, like that gender is a linguistic gender, right? And the argument by people who say, well, we need to gender this because if we call it der Bergmann, then women don't feel, um, you know, we have to call it mountain people, not mountain men. I, I can kind of understand that argument, but as, a, as somebody who st studied lit uh, literature, my brain just goes, ah, you're being dumb. It's like saying, you know, um, pointing at the dog and saying, uh, uh, schau dir den Hund an, uh, männlich, weiblich, divers. Like, look at the dog. Might be a male dog, might be a female dog, might, might be a, a, a trans dog, right? Anybody understands who speak the language that this is a linguistic device, that that gender in that sentence I'm forming doesn't actually mean the gender of the dog. And if I want to point out the gender of the dog, I have specific terms I can use. But yeah. But anyway, that's gender. So, you know, you have you have gender as in linguistic gender, which is which actually doesn't have anything to do with gender or sex, which is just a linguistic uh, device um, that just evolved um, and just is the way it is. And I mean, you can change it if you want, but I kind of find that silly. Um, and then you have gender as in which I fully support, you know, like as in societal. Like when you're talking about gender equality or somebody then no actually gender equality in in the old school way is sex equality because you, you kind of you're saying people with a physical sex you know if 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 a man and a woman do the same job or a trans person which would be the would it be the third sex sex i don't i don't really care you know they, they have to be paid the same but that that deeds in biological sex but um what i'm talking about is like um your gender identity right you um, when we're talking about somebody who is born with certain sexual organs or who, what, you know, where society for what reason or another 
labels them of a certain sex, they should be able to um, to pick their own gender, right? To go abstracting from whatever goes down in the pants on a more higher society level, I feel like X and I want to represent myself as X. I completely support that. Like, why not? Like, that is that is a noble thing. The, the thing where, where I always get, that annoys me is when people mix it up. And this is, was one of the reasons where Bezzer will said biological gender. There is no such thing as biological gender because bio, biology is not concerned with what an animal or a per, you know, for for in the eyes of a biologist, a human is just an animal, <laughs> right? They they don't really care. They don't care about what goes on in your brain. Really, they care about like how your brain works and your body works. So it's just like the the topic of gender just doesn't even come up. But like, and it 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 annoys me when people mix that up. So like in German, it's even harder because in German we do not have the differentiation in German is Geschlecht and there's biologisches Geschlecht which is sex and there's Geschlecht which is gender so they, they, they use the, you know uh, literal um, what's it even called I don't know literarisches Geschlecht uh, you know I don't know literary gender I, anyway but in the in the societal sense it's the same word and one of the things is you know in Germany we have ID cards and uh, in, in your ID card it says Geschlecht which means sex Right, and then people go like, "Yeah, but you should have like a third, like you should have a." Basically, they want to change this label into gender, but the problem is that it's the same word in German, and they don't understand that when in your ID card it says Geschlecht, it actually means biological gender, right? Which is not about like my argument would be like if you want to transcend that, and if you want to go from biological sex to a higher more you know enlightened view of people and you want to go to gender then just put take that out of the id card but the idea of the id card is yes they can pull down your pants and look at what organs you have and that's what in your it's what is in your id card that's that is literally the idea and they you know they i used you know i i'm i'm um ausgemustert i'm not fit for military service but i had to go to the draft right the german uh uh, military uh, compulsory military service and they literally pull your pants down and funnel your man bits right to see if you're sick or whatever but like if they pull your pants down and you don't have a penis they don't draft you it doesn't matter what you like you know we're like back in the day I mean it's changed now because now you can you can join the military when you're a woman or you're diverse whatever it doesn't matter but back in the day you literally it's set in the law <laughs> that you had to go to the military for a year of training if you were a man. And they meant sex. They meant biological sex. They meant we're pulling your pants down and we see if you have a penis. And if you don't have a penis, you don't have to go. That's literally where that idea comes from. And I'm all for people transcending this, wanting to transcend this totally. I'm not, I don't even want, you know, I don't want compulsory military service. And I don't want, I don't want, the ID card to say, hey, I have a penis or not. Who the fuck cares? Like, if we transcend that to a higher, you know, kind of thinking where we're all, um, you know, from sex to gender, where we're all w what we want to be, all power to you. But you, you can't confuse both things. Like, you have to understand this. And you have to understand that biological gender 
uh, now I'm saying it too. Fucking hell. Biological sex does exist and, and is hard to change. Or maybe, like, de depending on how you uh, def define it, it's impossible to change. Like, if you define it by having certain chromosomes, then you can't change that. Um, and I'm not getting into the chromosomes because I always mix that up. It's a it's a, a, a embarrassment to my wife who has a doctor <laughs> doctor yeah, not a doctor in biology. Uh, if I try to explain chromosomes, I'm going to mess it up, and so I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a complicated thing, um, and I'm all all for transcending that, but I think people should understand. And also the other thing is, like, the thing you have to understand here is that there is a very definite reason why bi biological sex exists, which is millions of years of evolution. Um, humans are basically animals, and, and all animals and all plants and everything, down to a fucking virus, where it's debatable even if that's a living thing, and not just like a, a, a hacked-together collection of molecules that just multiplies, but that's the goal. That, that's the point. Everything, everything multiplies in, 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 in biology, right? Every organism, including humans, are genetically built to fucking multiply. And because that works, in the case of humans, by having two sexes, they are edge cases, but largely two sexes, one with a penis and one with a vagina, and you put the penis in the vagina and you make children... That is why biological sex exists. That doesn't mean you can't transcend it as a society, but I don't think the majority of society will ever do that. Because, I mean, I am somebody who doesn't have kids. I don't want, to, I don't want kids, and I don't understand who, pe who people have. I, I, don't, I have, see a lot of people around me that have kids, and I don't understand them. I don't understand how you want to give up the freedom in your life. You want to give all that time and all that money that you could spend on, on, on Warhammer and, on, and all the time you could spend playing video games and recording podcasts and doing all these like intellectual exploits that you could do and go to parties and do whatever the fuck you want. But they don't want to have children. And I mean, I don't understand it on an, on an emotional level. I understand it on an intellectual level because I think I'm just broken. <laughs> and for me, like this... Um, instinct that humans like any other animal has to procreate is just not strong enough and I think for most of the people it's strong enough and that's why I mean I'm all for all kinds of things I'm you know I'm, I'm for changing changing your gender you know I'm for uh, gay marriage I'm for like women marrying women I'm for man marrying man I'm like totally open to having non-monogamous relationships if like you know expanse style if three men and five women want to live together and they want to have james holden as a child more power to you i am all for that i don't care whatever people want to do in their private life let them let them fuck whoever they want like, I'm the most unconservative person when it comes to that. But still, I understand that that is the majority. Uh, that that's the minority, sorry. <clears throat> we need more Earl Grey to lubricate the voice. And now I'm out of Earl Grey, which is a, is a shame. So I'm going to have to end this show. <laughs> no, um, 
I'm all for that. I support that. I think, you know, our society should do that to transcend. I should think our society should transcend the idea that everybody needs to have children, right? And if you don't have children and you listen to this, you know exactly what I mean. You have all these friends and they all get kids and you, you invariably, you're at a party, you're at, you know, you're at evening, you're, you're in a bar drinking with somebody and they go, so when are you going to have children? And then you're gonna try to explain to them that you don't want to have children. They look at you like you had, you just had a stroke, or they had a stroke. I don't know. They're like, "Is this guy insane? Like, what the fuck?" They don't even. It doesn't even compute, right? And I, so I understand that. I even though I think we should transcend that as a society, I think we never will because we <laughs> designed, we genetically designed to to have pairings of men and women. You know, not monogamous. I don't think that's what we genetically designed for. I think it's probably like if you look at most other animals in a, you know, that are somewhat close to humans, it's usually or almost all animals, just like males having sex with a lot of females, <laughs> um, which, you know, if you want to do that, more power to you. But, you know, like we're all designed to procreate. That's the thing. And like, if you... You know, I'm I'm all for like men loving men and living together for the rest of their lives. But if you're doing that, you have to realize that that's never becoming the norm, right? I support that wholeheartedly, and I think society should, especially because you're not having annoying children. <laughs> um, but like, you know, it's our our bodies and our whole like species is just like i almost said race uh species specifically species is just designed to not do that anyway <laughs> that was only the first first point from bezerville the second point however i will argue against something else you may have alluded to if you are, if i understood correctly quote isn't everyone a little autistic this is something that we hear frequently. He's uh, Wills autistic. While not neurotypicals and allistics, I, I learned today that allistics, allistics is people who are not autistic. So everybody else uh, can experience some of the same difficulty as autistics and neurodivergent individuals. The difference is severity and per pervasiveness. Um, what makes me auth autistic a recognized disability is that it affects my entire life in a way that makes that makes my life uh, uh yeah uh, first of all i didn't mean that if if i came across as isn't everyone a little autistic that's not what i meant i, I meant um what i was talking about is that the spectrum of autism is so big um that as as Bezer will also says like some of the stuff people that are not like medically autistic will have like for example i'm ocd i have like these ticks sometimes where i just um for a long time, I had to I had to look at the like I was sitting in my room like the door is closed right and I'm working and I, I kept looking at the door for some like if the door is closed for some reason it's just like it just how my brain works it's just like a, a tick which is like an OCD kind of thing but I'm certainly not like that's not a medical condition because it's not as bad like that's I mean that's always I think when it comes to neurological disorders um, the question do you have uh, is it medically um, an illness is always the question, does it interfere with your life? It's kind of like the the clinical definition of being an alcoholic is, does it interfere with your life? It doesn't matter how much or how little alcohol you drink, if it impairs 
your ability to live your life as you would if you weren't drinking the alcohol, um, then you're medically an alcoholic. Um, and yeah, I kind of, I have even more issue with the term neurodivergent because I mean, what the fuck does that mean? I mean, everybody's neurodivergent. We're all very, very different. <laughs> neurodivergent just means you're neuro neurologically different. And I think everybody's neurologically different. This is also why I think the, the the definition, the medical definition of autism depends on like the the context, right? There's probably think people who have like an aspect of autism, um, but like in the way they live their life, it doesn't affect them at all or strongly because they've maybe they've incorporated in how their life works or whatever. Um, and then there's other people who have that same problem, not as strong, but it like completely throws their life off balance because they're just a different person than they would be medically autistic and the other pe person weren't. Um, and also, um, Basil says uh, a recognized disability. I mean, I think Basil from Australia. I think this depends very much on the country. I'm not. I'm not an expert on this, but um, I think autistic, as in the autistic spectrum in Germany, isn't certainly not a recognized disability. Um, <clears throat> I think it's um, also um, medically. They're always in Germany. I think they're always looking at certain aspects. Um, you know, I think I, I know that, for example, ADHD is a uh, is a recognized medical um, uh, illness. It's not a disability because in Germany, if you have a disability, then you get a, a, a disability card, right? Then you get the thing where you can park in special parking spots and stuff. And so the German definition of disability, I think it's very old school. It's very uh, body, um, like outer body focused. Um, but that's a uh, discussion for another day. I just wanted to generally point out that I didn't mean that isn't everybody, everyone a bit autistic. I think generally, uh, I think every, I think everybody's neurodivergent. I think we're all very, very, very different. Um, what I kind of mostly, um, uh, so I am privileged in a way you could say you know I'm, i don't i'm not sick i'm not mentally ill i've never spent a day of my life uh in hospital toy 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 as my grandmother would say now um klopf of holz um so you know i can't i can't talk to a lot of these topics um but <sighs> So everything I'm going to say, you got to realize that comes from, a, in this respect, a very privileged position. But like, I always find it worrying when people who have a certain um, disability or illness kind of center their whole life around this. And I've seen people, um, I've been around, who have different disabilities, and I know there's different ways of dealing with it, right? There are some people who... Um, recognize they have an illness or a disability and then they they built their whole life around that and then there's other people who like in in many respects you would say would have a much much like more profound disability that that disrupts their life much more and they don't right they, they don't go around as as i'm the autistic person or i'm the person in the wheelchair or i'm the person with with the horrible pain um, syndrome that you know I just basically have to take ridiculous painkillers just to function um, 
And I, I've always gravitated more to those people who are just like, I always thought, you know, I ride a motorbike. I talked about this early and, and you know, I'm, I'm a realistic person. I realized that I could have an accident where I could, I could die. I could have a pretty horrible accident. Um, I could end up in a wheelchair, right? But I have always said that, you know, I thought for myself that if this, this happens, the last thing I want that to do to me is to just like, um, like take over my whole life, right? If I end up in a wheelchair, yeah, there's many things I can't do anymore that I do now. Um, but I still would want, st I wanted, I, I would still want to be like the same fab as much as I can be, right? I would re redesign my home office. So I just, I just wheelchair around and, you know, I can't go running anymore. I would have to look for a different uh, sport. I would probably do weightlifting and just skip leg day because I don't need my legs anymore. Um, I, you know, that's, that's, I'm just telling you this because I'm not saying anybody who has any kind of disability or anything should do that. I'm saying that's, that's the thing I admire that, that I aspire to that. I see other people, um, who do that. So, um, I, I know a person who has had a motorcycle accident actually in, uh, in their youth when, when she was about 18 and, um, has, uh, basically can't use her arm and has horrible, um, pain issues ever since and um but like sh you wouldn't <laughs> like i think i saw her at parties two times be before i noticed she couldn't move one of her arms um and and then there's there's people who just like get diagnosed with some something and then they're that person right they're the adhd person and they just change all their social profiles to now i'm the adhd person and i have this and i have to go into all these adhd groups and i have to do this and i have to do all of that and i don't know i don't want to i don't want to ever end up like this <laughs> jonathan uh who is in twitch chat i'm streaming live on twitch um as, as you know, uh, if you've listened to this before, it says respect for the people making lots of wheelchair maps with open street maps, though. I mean, no. What do you mean, no? I mean, that's uh, sure. Um, that's what you like. It's not about like you'd have to realize you have to be realistic, right? You have to, you have to realize I'm in a wheelchair now, right? Um, and I, I'd have to use the wheelchair map because I need to figure out. You know, if I want to go to my Warhammer store or whatever, I now have to figure out how to go there. It's kind of like with the, if you're trans, you have to accept that there's biological sex and there's very definite bodily changes that you have to go through, right? If I end up in a wheelchair, I'd have to accept that I'm in a wheelchair now. And there's lots of things I can't do. I, I don't know. I can't drive my camper van. I want to drive a car. I'd probably have to get a different car. There's no way I can get up into that car. Um... But then on the other hand, you know, when I was, when I was riding, <laughs> when I was riding through Norway with my dad, um, you know, when we're going up to the North Cup and we we're on the way back down, we were somewhere in Norway, I uh, can't remember what it was, uh, we were in a hotel and um, we met this, uh, so, so we're like, yeah, in the morning, you're like, okay, you're a biker, right? You, you, you put on your biker clothes, you, you take all the bags that you put on your bike, you carry that down, you have to carry that down the hotel to the lobby to check out and go to your bike and um i saw this guy in a wheelchair in 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 biker protective gear with a helmet and my brain just i just saw him i was carrying shit i was like late my dad was already in the lobby i was like my brain just didn't compute it just didn't read like my brain was like what 
and just went I, that that could, can't be and i went down and then um i talked to my dad um i don't know we had to wait or whatever and I'm, he's like did you see the guy in the wheelchair and then we we met his friend and then i then we got into talking and they were just going up to the north cape so his his friend had this like huge gold wing i think with a <laughs> a gold wing with a uh, a trailer um, I think they were also camping uh, and he had like the camping shit and the guy in the wheelchair had a like a not a trike like a traditional trike I think it was one of the like the new things where you have two wheels in the front and one wheel in the back um, and we were talking to him and I just assumed that his friend he was uh, uh, um, you know uh, I, I mean I'd seen the bike in the garage and it had some weird stuff in the back but I didn't really realize and I assumed that his friend was gonna help was helping him on the bike right he was like no 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 he just gets on the bike himself I'm like how does he do that he had like a thing in the back where he put like the wheelchair at, at the side of the bike right he could just attach the wheelchair to the bike I don't know I did, we didn't have time we had to fucking leave I would have loved just like you know talking to him and and seeing he was i think he was he was back in the room or something my my dad had to go but i you know he, he always wants to leave early and shit but i was like i would have loved just like talking to him and maybe just, just seeing how he fucking gets on the bike i was like that is just fucking you're like a biker and then you have like 99.9 percent .9 of all bikers have an accident and then they can't move their legs anymore and then that, that's that and that guy went no fuck i'm a biker i'm gonna fucking figure this out and he got this fucking track and he went to the fucking north cape which is like the the hardest thing probably you could do on a motorbike i mean that's just like that's the fucking thing i i respect anyway i didn't want to um i'm basil will don't take this as a, uh i don't mean this as, as criticism it's just like sometimes i see people and they they like what what I read from this message is like we are autistic and you are you're the other, you're the what is it the uh, it's like ableist the allistics and this just always gets gets me I don't know I, I feel uncomfortable when people react like this I I am a person who thinks we're all humans and we're all very different we're all neurodivergent we're all divergent in different ways but we're all humans and I think we're all more more close to each other like we shouldn't put ourselves into these groups we all have like everybody's fucked every like we don't all have neurological disorders yes but like we're all a little fucked i'm not saying we're all autistic but we're all fucked in some way you know humans are just f fucked and that's why i also think you know the the whole gender thing why we should transcend that as a as a um you know as a society but because who fucking cares what what you have between what do you have in your pants, right? It's it's who cares? Who cares what you want to label yourself? We're all human. Anyway, uh, I said um, Bezo will should tell me why he likes Star Trek Discovery. So he said, I like how, that he uh, um, uh, um, initializes it STD, which is my favorite. Uh, uh, way of uh, saying Star Trek Discovery because that's basically what it is. You you watch it and then you just, your brain itches. It's like an STD for your brain. <laughs> you requested that I say more on my like or, or why I like STD. I will say it's not my favorite show. I've still not finished the last season as it does as it does not get prime viewing for me, and I'm currently busy prime viewing. <laughs> so isn't it on Netflix? Uh, but no, it's like 
Paramount Plus or whatever that is now in the US. Or I don't what the fuck, whatever the fuck is in Australia. Anyway, and I can't, I'm, I'm currently busy studying and not to be a teacher anymore, working, recovering from living in an elastic world. I enjoy STD and I have not found anything objectionable in the content. Did raise an eyebrow to Michael's character at first, but then move on. Moved on. It has been. How can you? She's like front and center in every fucking episode. Has been a few weeks since I watched and sporadically at that, so I cannot say more. Perhaps if I did try to watch it all in one sitting, it may grate on me more, or I have more to say. Well, anyway, that's that's um, you know, yeah, um, you know, everybody has their own opinion. I just wanna uh, one quick thing. Um, Bezerwell says, uh, I have not found anything objectionable in the content. I, I have to say, that is just, for me, um, it's just a horrible show. Um, it's, it's, it's horribly written. And, and what, what, well, we'll, we'll get into that because we're now getting into uh, representation. That's, that's a part of it. So I'm going to save that. His last point um, I understand what you say about media representing society, trans and non-binary individuals make up 1.6% of the population, apparently that's according to Google. <laughs> um, so 2% representation on screen is fine. I would think, yeah, that's probably a realistic number. However, by that logic, the population that have many more superheroes, action news, etc. What I mean here is media tells a story for the benefit of the viewer, not necessarily to represent reality and all of society. The benefit of increasing representation across many underrepresented groups is twofold. A, as mentioned, the effect on these groups is profound and B, educating the rest of society of society about the reality of these groups. And here I have to vehemently agree, uh, disagree, sorry, not agree, disagree, uh, because I think you, um, you are misunderstanding what, we, like what education is, because um, what you are describing is propaganda. And I don't think, you know, there can be good propaganda. I'm not saying, you know, educating the public about these groups is a bad thing, but it is propaganda. And I, I think it is not the, um, the the that that is not what education is for. Um, that's what um, what the education system is for, right? And and you can you can tell here that you, you're not understanding what it, uh, what entertainment is by saying uh, by this logic the population should have many more superheroes, action heroes, etc. There. There are so many movies and shows about action heroes and superheroes, not because of representation, but because what entertainment and especially Hollywood um, traditionally is. I mean, you can make an argument that it should be something different and it should educate people. I think that would be propaganda, but okay. But traditionally, entertainment is there to entertain people, right? There are so many superheroes in fiction, not because people want to see themselves which is what representation is right i put a trans character in star trek discovery and then people who are trans are go like oh this is representing me right but that's not how it, how how um entertainment traditionally works entertainment works the other way around you have characters that you want to aspire that are unrealistic right that are um you know that 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 are really good at something you know like unrealistically like james bond is really good at shooting people and at fucking riding driving cars and seducing women right it's very unrealistic he's not there to like represent men as men are he's there to 
be uh you know uh well I don't know if he's a good role model, but, you know, something that people aspire to. Right? MacGyver is there because he's very intelligent and he can do, like, incredibly unrealistic things. Um, so he's not there as representation. He's there, you know, that's how entertainment works. You show some some people something that's fun, you know, that they, they think, oh, it would be cool if I'd be on that spaceship. Um, you can do both. Right and good entertainment does both. Star Trek, traditional Star Trek, is a good example, um, where um, starting with the original series, like Gene Roddenberry's Vision, is like this is a, it was a fun, entertaining show for people with aliens and Star Trek and, uh, and Star Trek and starships and, and 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 laser weapons, right? But Gene Roddenberry was like. I'm going to do this show and I'm going to depict what I think society will look like in 200, 300 years when we've transcended all this shit, when we've transcended nation states and, and, and monetary economy and when we learned to live together as humanity and we are now one um, big federation and we're now dealing with the shit out in space and with the guys, with the Romulans and stuff like that, right? Um, so... That is somewhat of a, it's not representation, but it's somewhat of a, a political message. Uh, it's a message, right? And with good, good, I mean, there's entertainment that doesn't do that, right? There's telenovelas, there's like fucking, I don't know, married with children. Th that fucking doesn't do that. That's just like entertainment or whatever. But like there is entertainment. There's always like the, the entertainment I traditionally like. Where you can political put political messages in that. You can do that in novels, you can do that in TV shows and movies. Um, the The Expanse is a very good example. Like one of my favorite movies is The Good and the Bad and the Ugly. That is just not a... Like if you think that's a stupid Western, you have to watch that movie again. There's commentary about concentration camps. What War, War two, uh, you know treatment of indigenous cultures and all wrapped up in a stupid western movie but it's it's in there and um yeah um and then you have something like star wars which doesn't have that at all which just riffs on stuff right when stormtroopers kind of look like uh then helmets kind of look like they're from they're germans later like nazis whatever but there's no political message in there um and it's not really the um the purpose of entertainment traditionally um and I think where Star Trek Discovery is bad, I mean, Star Trek Discovery is bad in many ways. Star Trek Discovery is a generic action show with horrible dialogues that just has things splattered in there. And some of the stuff that's splattered in there is just Star Trek and other things is representation. And it's both not done well. Right, the representation bit is you have like a horrible. You have a dialogue where, where characters talk about some some Star Trekky shit, and then some character randomly randomly says, "Oh, by the way, I'm I'm pansexual," which has nothing to do with the scene, which is literally what happens in one episode, which is really bad, which is why it's stuck in my brain so much. But then they also did that thing with Star Trek. They just have random Star Trek words, which they don't even know what it means. Uh, they don't know how the shields work on a Starfleet ship. They don't know how the, the, the turbo lift works, what it looks like outside the turbo lift, even though there's a fucking technical manual that's on my desk right here where you can look at that all up. So 
they just have a random generic show. It's kind of like the new Star Trek movies, the J.J. Adams Star Trek movies, the same way. They're just action movies. And they just they just rip off things, right? They're just, okay, let's do Khan again. And then Benedict Cumber faces Khan and nothing makes any sense and Spock starts beating him up. And it's just like, it's just hor- horrific. Um, and that's the thing with like, um, with uh, tropes, you know, that I was talking about earlier. Of course, all culture is based on something. Star Trek is based on Western movies and other things. Uh, and, and you know, Next Generation is based on the original series and Discovery is based on that. But, like, you can base something on something else in a, in a, in a stylistic, well, so you can rip off, in air quotes, something in a good way or in a bad way. Like, if you watch The Magnificent Seven, the original movie, that is a, you know, that is an amazing movie. Um, I actually have to. Uh, I want to look up what, what, what uh, year that was uh, that was made. So I'm not. Uh, so you're not thinking like the new one. Um, okay, that's the one from the '60s, right? So John Sturges uh, directing. It is an amazing movie. It is a complete ripoff of the Seven Samurai by Kurosawa, but it's a very well done ripoff. It rips off all the major themes, but it, it, it's specifically very much its own movie. You can watch both movies and go, well, this is a good movie and this is also a good movie, right? Just like you can watch the original series and you can watch Next Generation, you can go, well, that's a rip off of that, but it's kind of like this is developing it in a different direction. It's very different, but they're both in their way like really groundbreaking and really good. And... You can watch Babylon 5 and Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which is obviously Stosinski was shopping the script around and Paramount fucking got the script at one point and they fucking said, let's make a Star Trek series that is this, this Babylon 5 shit. And they're both very different shows and they're both very good, even though they one ripped the other off. Clearly, clearly did that, but they're still both very good shows. Whereas you watch Discovery and you watch Star Trek The Next Generation and you just don't go, well, they're both good. Because Discovery is horrible. It's fucking horrible. Like there's a bad way to rip th- something off. Um, then you can take a sh- something really, sh- really shit like Battlestar Galactica, which was like kind of, oh, Star, War- Star Wars took off. Let's make a TV show uh, uh, with some really questionable Mormon bullshit. Uh, <laughs> And then you have the new Battlestar Galactica, which is a stroke of genius, right? Where Ronald D. Moore said, fuck, I couldn't do what I did on Voyager. Like, they didn't let me do it. Let's make, let's do that with Battlestar Galactica. And it's genius. Of course, it's all the same tropes. Actually, I wanted to mention this earlier, like in, in actually in, um, uh, in, in English lit, uh, they call that a meme like not the internet meme actually I knew that word before I know that that was also an internet thing like the actual thing like I, I forgot who came up with it but it was like a ling- linguist I think uh, or sociologist maybe maybe both is like a meme is is like a gene right it's like a uh, it's like a the gene equivalent of an idea it's kind of an idea that's in there and that de- that, that that develops, right? That de- that develops art forms, right? So the 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 the, the Wehrmacht Nazi helmet in World War II is a meme in movies, 
right? It it was in actual World War II movies and then in stuff like Star Wars, like their general shape and in lots of science fiction and other stuff, it symbolizes kind of evil. Or like the pickle, how World War One. something I noticed about the Rings of Power, uh, which I recently uh, watched and reviewed, um, the orcs have like, their helmets are like skulls. And they have like this, lots of the orcs have like this fin on top. And it's like, this doesn't make any sense. It's not a skull. And then it just struck me. It's supposed to be a pickelhaube. It's like the German soldier, you know, that helmet with the spike? Um, that is like German World War One soldier. Like the, 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 the silhouette of that, it's kind of like, it's like, it's a shorthand for evil. And that's a meme in, in the literary style. So you have that everywhere. Um, and and a meme or a trope or whatever you want to call it in itself is not bad. Um, it depends on how it's handled, and and I feel like discovery like ham fists this. So I'm not against representation. Um, I think, for example, the Expanse, um, for the most thing, did this very well. I think they overdid it on the TV show in later seasons, where like everybody was suddenly gay and in a in a poly relationship, but like. In the first seasons, they very like subtly they're they're just characters who are just in a poly relationship, right? There's like this, isn't it? Drummer, I think, in the TV show, she has like a a, a wife and, a, and two husbands or something, right? And it's just there. It's like it's not mentioned. She's not like, hey, I, by the way, I'm polyamorous, or I'm like, have a I'm don't have a monogamistic relationship, right? Whatever. It's just there, and it's just like you pick it up, and then for somebody who's into that kind of thing, they're like, "Hey, that's cool, that's kind of representation, but it's well done, right? It's not, it's not ham-fisted, and and badly done, and and so you know you can use entertainment in that way, but if you think that entertainment is there to educate people, that I mean that is literally what propaganda is. Like that's literally what the Soviets did when the Soviets started making movies um basically uh stalin allowed the 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 directors like the first directors he went yeah you can make movies but only if every fucking movie educates people on how capitalism is bad and socialism is good literally that was like in the rules and they had the like the censorship whatever right and and that is how you come up with horrible entertainment. You also come up with very good entertainment. For example, like the uh, the Strusinski's, um, not Strusinski, the Strugatsky's um, um, Roadside Picnic, right? Or the film Stalker, um, which is uh, is is a extremely subtle criticism <laughs> of socialism that looks like it's a criticism of. Uh, it's also uh, the best, one of the best stories about a forced contact situation ever written, but it's also very subtle criticism of socialism while on the outside looking like criticism of capitalism. It's an extremely intelligent story, but that's like the outlier, right? Most of the most of the Soviet movies and the stuff they produced, especially in the Stalin, under Stalin, uh, was just like crap, like the most horrific, on the nose. We're the workers and we are amazing and we live better than the fucking capitalist rats. <clears throat> anyway, got some feedback. Um, Johnson says, uh, inclusivity isn't propaganda by default and, and interpreting something as introducing the audience to something unlike they otherwise beat it with a stick as educating the audience. I didn't say that inclusivity is, is per default propaganda. I said that 
if you interpret entertainment as having the primary purpose of educating the the viewer or the listener, whatever, then that is that is literally the definition of propaganda. Like the goal of propaganda, which includes PR, is to propagate an idea. And entertainment is not about propagating an idea. Entertainment is about entertaining the audience. That's why it's called entertainment and not education. Um, and Johnson also said, also depends on expectation. When I turn on a movie with Vin Diesel, I expect all the tropes. Well, of course, there's some... You know, there's, 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 there's people made that into an art form. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, for example, I don't like, I fucking hate movies by Quentin Tarantino, but he basically made a career by um, assembling tropes, right? Um, like his, his Western movies are basically assembling Sergio Leone, Sergio Leone's work and just making it more crass and, and, and you know, he tells his own stories, but I watch that and I go like, but Sergio Leone did it better. Um, but, you know, there's, there's also taste. So, you know. Um, okay. Um, am I just reading, reading more, uh, more, um, comments here uh, astros he said 4d chess like the starship trooper movie well you know the starship trooper movie is based on the heinlein story and i mean that is obvious it's not really 4d chess it's like a very obvious it's an obvious political message wrapped very well into an entertaining novel and the movie pulls it off pretty well i think as well but like the the novel is is a work of art um you know, you can, you can, you can, you can, you can, you can take a political message and say, "I'm going to produce entertainment around that," but it's very hard. <laughs> and Heinlein was a genius, and the people writing Star Trek Discovery are not, and it shows. Um, Johnson says Starship Troopers is a great example of being a trashy, funny, and extremely critical movie. Um, yeah. I mean, but like it's based on the novel, right? The novel is actually what, where that comes from, where, where the genius comes from. And it's just, um, it is in itself a, a, a commentary on propaganda, right? It is a, a, it is a, it is a commentary. A lot of that, especially the movie, I feel, um, is, uh, is condensed commentary on Soviet propaganda, um so yeah uh anyway um i hope uh i hope basil will didn't you know i hope basil you don't take that as uh as criticism i'm just i just wanted to pick out some points and clear up some things and just basically use it as a jumping off point um for my thoughts feel free to ask the next question on the forum if you want uh also with respect on the previous episode uh necros commented you mentioned that doing the same thing again and again, hoping for a different outcome is a definition of insanity. He's actually a clinical psychologist, by the way. Um, while it may might be insane in Drachenlord's case, I feel the urge to observe that it is actually the definition of training. And I have to point out, uh, let me, yes, you are somewhat right, um, but further thought. Um, let's substitute training for learning, which is, I think, what you mean. Um so the point here is doing the same thing again and again, yes, is training, but 
the thing you need to actually become good at something is observe what happens and then be ready to change. So if I learn to play the guitar, I make like lots of mistakes and then I realize what the mistakes are. I work on these, right? Or if I, if I learn like boxing, right? I make lots of mistakes. I get hit in the face. I learn what those are. I work on these and then I improve. So the definition of insanity is like doing literally the one, the thing I was talking about. I don't know who coined it. Some, it's a famous thing to say. Um, the, uh, you do the exact same thing and expect a different outcome. Whereas training or learning is you do something and you adapt what you do in every case, you know, like even in something where you like you're weightlifting and you're literally doing the same thing, you have to adapt, right? You, you, you lift like your dumbbells and then at some point it gets easier and easier and easier and you will have to increase the weight to gain more muscles, Right? And you'll have to listen to your body, not overdo it, right? eat the right shit, all of that. The problem with people like Drachenlord is they literally do the exact same thing over and over again and they don't adapt. And there's literally people telling them, dude, you're doing this wrong. I, I've been doing this for a long time. Do this, which is what a trainer does in every sport or a teacher or somebody who teaches you to play an instrument, right? Like you can learn that by just banging yourself head against the wall and figuring out what you can what you need to change, or you can take the shortcut of listening to somebody who has been through this experience and tells you and basically learn it a bit quicker. Or you can be Drachenlord and don't listen to anything and don't realize anything and literally do the same thing over and over and over and over again. Right? He he take the dumbbell uh, with five kilos and he just lift the dumbbell and then lift the dumbbell, gain a little bit of muscle, and then you just keep doing this for for a year. And then it'd be like, why why are my muscles not growing? Like, dude, because you need to increase the weight at some point. Uh, <laughs> um, also, then, I uh, this is, has nothing to do with the last episode or any recent episodes. Um, but um, I got a very interesting email from somebody who used to serve in the US military. And he's commenting on, on old episodes. So this is before the escalation in Ukraine in February, right? But I just want to read this out. Um, I think it's very, very interesting. Um, this person said, I mean, he, he's a guy. He's, he's in, in the military. I mean, there's women in the U.S. military. But, you know, there are more guys. I think I can, I can say that this was a guy. I think he didn't show me pictures. Didn't, didn't send me. Please don't, don't send me any pictures. I'm not into that kind of thing. Um, anyway, he says, ironically, I think uh, it was. I think Trump was trying to get the EU to stand on its own by forcing European NATO countries, especially Germany, to increase their percentage of GDP expenditure. Uh, on the cost of NATO. I don't think that there should be a single US soldier in Germany. I think we have them. Uh, if we have them, they should be in Poland. I knew several soldiers posted in Germany at multiple different places. It was the best place to get stationed. However, back in the 90s, they all expected that if war were to break out, they would die in the Fulda Gap, which was the plan. Uh, I mean, the soldiers in Germany are not enough to stop a war with Russia, but what they are is a message to Russia that if you invade Germany, you're going to kill American soldiers and therefore declare war on America and therefore get fucked in the end. I mean, that was the Cold War idea. The Cold War is over. Actually, I have to point out that, yeah, th uh, this is something I never uh, really specifically thought about it that way. Yeah, that's uh, a good way of putting it. I think, yeah, that's, um, yeah. 
Good observation. Uh, needless to say, I don't think that Russia is a re reliable partner for anybody in Europe, so long as they're being led by madmen. Even if they're led by a totalitarian dictator who is at least consistent and sane, it would be okay. But I don't think the current situation works. You don't get to bomb apartment complexes and be considered someone you want to have business with. I wholeheartedly agree that all European nations need to increase defense spending and not rely on the US. However, we don't. We do have the world's most powerful military, um, which might be changing with China, but okay. Um, also, the EU needs to become a superpower in their own right, or they fall under the sway of superpower. I'll give you three to choose from, the United States, China, or whatever's left of Russia. Of those three superpowers, which would you prefer to be under the sway of? We're not perfect, we're pretty fucked up, but at least we align mostly with your ideas of free speech, freedom of the press, etc. Although things seem to be going to hell in a handbasket in that area. Exactly. <laughs> That's my feedback about US troops in Germany. You guys have to put on your big boy pants and I think you should get your own nukes. And I also think it would be cheaper if we moved our soldiers to Poland, probably. And it would be better for the economy to have the US pumping shit tons of money into their local economy, which is what happens when we come and stay for a visit. And wouldn't it be nice if all those weapons left in Afghanistan, remember that episode, um, were instead available for Ukraine? Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? But then, you you, you know, now you have a reason to build new ones, <laughs> which is good for your economy. Anyway, a few commentaries on that. Um, I think you are under the impression that many, like many U.S. Um, the people from the U.S., that Europe is, is somewhat of a, you know, sovereign country, which is, it is not. Um It is an, an, an economic alliance, which is also a bit of a political alliance. Um, it is more like NATO than a country. Um, so yes, uh, you know, specific European states have always been under the sway of one superpower or the other. Traditionally, the Russians and and we in Germany, uh, the U.S. or you know, the West of Europe, the European countries under the U.S. Um, Uh, specifically to you saying uh, Putin is a madman, I don't think he is a madman. I think he's a very calculating person. Um, I am sure he's a sociopath, but I don't think he's a madman. Uh, most hint, most people who run powerful states are not madmen. I don't think Trump was a madman. I don't think Hitler was a madman. I don't think Stalin was a madman. I think the 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 time of you being actually mad and running a country ended like in the Middle Ages. Or probably the Rene. I mean, there is, you know, there's some czars that were. Pro I, I mean, you know, Kaiser Wilhelm II. You can, you can, there are some arguments that that guy was pretty kooky. But you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say clinically madman. I think that's just simplifying it. That's like again, like saying Hitler is a madman. That's just not asking the next question. Um, what is if you isn't a madman? That's the question you should ask. And and you don't get to bomb apartment complexes and be considered someone you want to have business with. I mean, we have business with U.S. Obama fucking uh, droned weddings. You know, um, I'm I'm pretty sure the U.S. bombed some apartment complexes in fucking Vietnam. <laughs> you know, um, or probably in uh, in 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 the Kosovo <laughs> in the 90s. Um, I, you know, I think you, you superpower, you bomb apartment complexes. That's what you do. And then if you're a smaller country that you still have to have business. Um, I also think the, uh, hit on, you know, the pumping money in the economy, that's not what 
really happened with Germany after World War II. I think uh, the economic boom we had in Germany was pretty much self-made, which you know, if you if you're an in, in industrialist country with with kind of um, you know very uh, uh, work uh, work how would you say that a very disciplined and and disciplined population not averse to work and then you destroy basically your whole whole country um that's very good for the economy because then you have to rebuild it all which is what basically happened in germany and which made the german economy such a powerhouse you know in the in the 50s 60s and well in the 60s and 70s um because we still had all the know-how, right? We got everything fucking destroyed and taken from us, but everybody still knew how to build steelworks and fucking, you know, build cars and make things happen. Um, uh, it's kind of like if you fucking destroyed the, lots of the infrastructure in the US now, you, you wouldn't forget, you know, how to how to rebuild the military-industrial complex. Let's, let's, let's put it that way. Um, Jonathan has another good observation in Twitch chat. Look, let's leave the dirty secret, secrets in Abu Ghraib where they belong, right? I mean, that's the thing. I think you are, um, you know, sovereign states are sovereign states, and the more power they have, the more horrible things they do. And why, I, you know, why I think it's horrible what Putin's doing in Ukraine. Um, I, I think saying that he's just mad is just too easy. It's the two, it's an easy explanation. It's not asking the next question. Next question is, what if he isn't mad? How could he? How could he do that? What? Maybe, like maybe some of the Russian population is actually supporting what he does, right? Um, you know, it's maybe it's patriotism. You know, maybe that's why um, Obama didn't get. Uh, uh, impeached after all this shit came out with the fucking drones and everything and and and, and Snowden and and all that crap you know that's it's yeah ask the next question it's hard but uh, I would again there just you know there's some commentary for me which is my opinion but you know just thank you for that valuable insight um especially the thing with uh US soldiers being in Germany uh as cannon fodder so that the Russians wouldn't attack us so that then you know basically the the nato plan of just giving up half of germany and everybody all the u.s soldiers dying in the Fulda gap not being the important thing the important thing that being that this whole situation is there is a deterrence to the russians because it would be a declaration of war which is yeah which is specifically different than it already being a declaration of war against NATO, but it would be specifically a declaration of war against the U.S., where the U.S. populace would would definitely support a war, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I think that is very valuable insight. Anyway, I've been going on for way too long. Please, if you have any feedback on this, uh, if you want to ask the next question, do so. Go to privatecitizen.press. Details on how to contact me are in the show notes. At the top, there's a contact link. And under um, the uh, producer feedback section, there's also information for how to contact me. And uh, let's tell you uh, what else you can do for this podcast. And then let's get the hell out of here. Everything
everything's getting more expensive. The economy is in crisis. I'm doing going to do an episode on that uh, in the future. Uh, the German economy is fucked, so I can't need money. Otherwise, I won't. I literally won't be able to heat my home. Uh, and this computer is eating a lot of fucking power. So uh, please, uh, I also need your monetary monetary support to run this show. Details in the show notes. Private citizen, private citizen dot press. There is a heading called Toss a Coin to Your Podcaster. Patron, you uh, you can become a patron on Patreon, PayPal, any other things. We can probably figure out uh, an email, whatever, if you want to help me out in different ways. If you work for the power company in Düsseldorf, uh, that might also be helpful. <laughs> um, and with that, I have to thank everybody who pitched in and made the show happen and brought this episode to you. So thanks to Gal Taron, Rodane the Insane, Steve Hose, Butterbeans, Michael Small, One Eye, One One G, Jonathan M. Hitai, Michael Mullen Jensen, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Dave, Jackie Plage, Sandman 616, IKN, Bennett Piata, Rizel, Vlad, Avis, Joe Pozo, Dirk Didi, Fadi Mansur, Kai Sears, David Potter, Mika, Cam, Mr. Amish, Indie Game X, Robert Forster, Captain Eckhart, RJ Tracy, Crunkle, Rick Bragg, Ricky M, Barry Williams, Jonathan Astro C, Super User D, and Florian Pigosh. And also, thanks to everybody subscribing on Twitch, where I stream this live, and sometimes also other things, like, what did I recently stream? City Skylines. I streamed some City Skylines. I'm trying to build a better city than my friend Halifa. Sometimes do this. Right now, I barely have any time, uh, but, you know, sometimes do that. So I, I thank all my Twitch subscribers. You can do that for free if you have Amazon Prime, Twitch Prime, whatever, Bezos Bucks. You have to redo it every month, but you kind of sending money my way, which also helps. So thanks to Mike the Dane, Jim, MTE Sauro, P Kimer, Bacon the Pork, Indio, Indigo Charlie, Captain Cap Maghead, Stupiden User, Stupiden Stupiden stup, Stupid End User. God. Stupid End User. Took me a long time to figure out how to say that. That's pr- pretty easy. Stupid end user, Centurio Purchase, and Redeemer F. Thanks to all of you. And thanks to ByteMark at bytemark.co.uk, British cloud hosting company. They provide the bandwidth and the servers for me to bring you this podcast, which I couldn't do otherwise. With that, I'm signing off. It's been uh it's been it's been a long, long time. It's been a long show, and uh my 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 voice is giving out. That must also be the concrete dust and the bloody concrete dust from yesterday i don't know and i didn't have enough earl gray which is always a problem i need a fucking replicator in my office um, although i probably couldn't couldn't pay the power i also need cold fusion or something i need a i need a warp core that would that, that would solve the power problems <laughs> probably for the whole town power's on me <laughs> as long as i have as long as i have the lithium crystals and I don't have to re. What, what did I have to do? Like to recrystallize the matrix, the lithium matrix. I'm I'm good. I got, I got the technical manual right here. I can I can support it. Anyway, um, yeah. Um, how did I get to that? Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go now. It's it's been it's been way too long. Um, theme uh, song for the show Acoustic Roots by Rural Cab Zali, and I'm gonna play you out with the song Rock Dog. By Dev Lev. Um, and I'll see you next week. Uh, until then, uh, please remember to always ask the next question.
Holy shit. Astral Sea is right. According to Star Trek Discovery, a crybaby destroyed most of the dilithium. Ah! 